Chapter Nine of Allan and the Holy Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Allan and the Holy Flower by H. Rider Haggard. Chapter Nine. Bowsey, the King. About midday we made a start for Beza Town, where King Bowsey lived, which we understood we ought to reach on the following evening. For some hours the regiment marched in front, or rather round us, but as we complained to Babemba of the noise and dust, with a confidence that was quite touching, he sent it on ahead. First, however, he asked us to pass our word by our mothers, which was the most sacred of oaths among many African peoples, that we would not attempt to escape. I confess that I hesitated before giving an answer, not being entirely enamoured of the Mazitu and of our prospects among them, especially as I had discovered through Jerry that the discomfited Imbalzwi had departed from the soldiers on some business of his own. Had the matter been left to me, indeed, I should have tried to slip back into the bush over the border, and there put in a few months shooting during the dry season, while working my way southwards. This, too, was the wish of the Zulu hunters, of Hans, and I need not add, Sammy. But when I mentioned the matter to Stephen, he implored me to abandon the idea. "'Look here, Quatermain,' he said, "'I have come to this godforsaken country to get that great cypripedium, and get it I will, or die in the attempt.' Still, he added, after surveying our rather blank faces, I have no right to play with your lives, so if you think the thing too dangerous, I will go on alone with this old boy, Babimba. Putting everything else aside, I think that one of us ought to visit Bowsey's kraal, in case the gentleman who you call Brother John should turn up there. In short, I have made up my mind, so it's no use talking. I lit my pipe, and for quite a time contemplated this obstinate young man while considering the matter from every point of view. Finally, I came to the conclusion that he was right, and I was wrong. It was true that by bribing Babemba or otherwise, there was still an excellent prospect of effecting a masterly retreat and of avoiding many perils. On the other hand, we had not come to this wild place in order to retreat. Further, at whose expense had we come here? At that of Stephen Summers, who wished to proceed. Lastly, to say nothing of the chance meeting of Brother John, to whom I felt no obligation since he'd given us the slip at Durban, I did not like the idea of being beaten. We had started out to visit some mysterious savages who worshipped a monkey and a flower, and we might as well go on till circumstances were too much for us. After all, dangers are everywhere. Those who turn back because of dangers will never succeed in any life that we can imagine. Movovo, I said presently, pointing to Stephen with my pipe, the Nkuzi Wazela does not wish to try to escape. He wishes to go on to the country of the Pongo people if we can get there, and Mavovo remember that he has paid for everything. We are his hired servants. Also that he says that if we run back he will walk forward alone with these Mazitus. Still, if any of you hunters desire to slip off, he will not look your way, nor shall I. What say you? I say, Makumazahan, that though young Wazela is a chief with a great heart, and that where you and he go, I shall go also, as I think will the rest of us. I do not like these Mazitu, for if their fathers were Zulus, their mothers were low people. They are bastards, and of the Pongo I hear nothing but what is evil. Still, no good ox ever turns in the yoke because of a mud hole. Let us go on, for if we sink in the swamp, what does it matter? Moreover, my snake tells me that we shall not sink, at least not all of us. So it was arranged that no effort should be made to return. Sammy, it is true, wished to do so, 
but when it came to the point and he was offered one of the remaining donkeys and as much food and ammunition as he could carry he changed his mind i think it better mr quatermain he said to meet my end in the company of high-born lofty souls than to pursue a lonely career towards the inevitable in unknown circumstances very well put sammy i answered so while waiting for the inevitable please go and cook the dinner having laid aside our doubts we proceeded on the journey comfortably enough being well provided with bearers to take the place of those who had run away babemba accompanied by a single orderly travelled with us and from him we collected much information it seemed that the mazitu were a large people who could muster from five to seven thousand spears their tradition was that they came from the south and were of the same stock as the zulus of whom they had heard vaguely indeed many of their customs to say nothing of their language resembled those of that country their military organization however was not so thorough and in other ways they struck me as a lower race in one particular it is true that of their houses they were more advanced for these as we saw in the many crawls that we passed were better built with doorways through which one could walk upright instead of the kaffir bee-holes we slept in one of these houses on our march and should have found it very comfortable had it not been for the innumerable fleas which at length drove us out into the courtyard for the rest these mazitu much resembled the zulus they had kraals and were breeders of cattle they were ruled by headmen under the command of a supreme chief or king they believed in witchcraft and offered sacrifice to the spirits of their ancestors also in some kind of a vague and mighty god who dominated the affairs of the world and declared his will through the doctors lastly they were and i dare say still are a race of fighting men who loved war and raided the neighbouring peoples upon any and every pretext killing their men and stealing their women and cattle they had their virtues too being kindly and hospitable by nature though cruel enough to their enemies moreover they detested dealing in slaves and those who practised it saying that it was better to kill a man than to deprive him of his freedom also they had a horror of cannibalism which is so common in the dark regions of africa and for this reason more than any other loathed the pongo folk who were supposed to be eaters of men on the evening of the second day of our march during which we had passed through a beautiful and fertile upland country very well watered and except in the valleys free from bush we arrived at biza this town was situated on a wide plain surrounded by low hills and encircled by a belt of cultivated land made beautiful by the crops of maize and other cereals which were then ripe to harvest it was fortified in a way that is a tall unclimbable palisade of timber surrounded the entire town which fence was strengthened by prickly pears and cacti planted on its either side within this palisade the town was divided into quarters more or less devoted to various trades thus one part of it was called the ironsmith's quarter another the soldier's quarter another the quarter of the land tillers another that of the skin dressers and so on the king's dwelling and those of his women and dependents were near the north gate and in front of these surrounded by a semicircle of huts was a wide space into which cattle could be driven if necessary this however at the time of our visit was used as a market and a drilling ground we entered the town that must in all have contained a great number of inhabitants by the south gate a strong log structure facing a wooded slope through which ran a road just as the sun was setting we marched to the guest huts up a central street lined with the population of the place who had gathered to stare at us 
these huts were situated in the soldiers quarter not far from the king's house and surrounded by an inner fence to keep them private none of the people spoke as we passed them for the mazitu are polite by nature also it seemed to me that they regarded us with awe tempered by curiosity they only stared and occasionally those of them who were soldiers saluted us by lifting their spears the huts into which we were introduced by babemba with whom we had grown very friendly were good and clean here all our belongings including the guns which we had collected just before the slaves ran away were placed in one of the huts over which a mizito mounted guard the donkeys being tied to the fence at a little distance outside this fence stood another armed mizito also on guard are we prisoners here i asked of babemba the king watches over his guests he answered enigmatically have the white lords any message for the king who i am summoned to see this night yes i answered tell the king that we are the brethren of him who more than a year ago cut a swelling from his body whom we have arranged to meet here i mean the white lord with a long beard who among you black people is called dogita babemba started you are the brethren of dogita how comes it then that you never mentioned his name before and when is he going to meet you here know that dogeeta is a great man among us for with him alone of all men the king has made blood brotherhood as the king is so is dogeeta among the mazitu we never mentioned him because we do not talk about everything at once babemba as to when dogeeta will meet us i am not sure i am only sure that he is coming yes lord macumazahan but when when that is what the king will want to know and that is what you must tell him lord he added dropping his voice you are in danger here where you have many enemies since it is not lawful for white men to enter this land if you would save your lives be advised by me and be ready to tell the king to-morrow when dogeeta whom he loves will appear here to vouch for you and see that he does appear very soon and by the day you name since otherwise when he comes if he does he may not find you able to talk to him now i your friend have spoken and the rest is with you then without another word he rose slipped through the door of the hut and out by the gateway of the fence from which the sentry moved aside to let him pass i too rose from the stool on which i sat and danced about the hut in a perfect fury do you understand what that infernal i am afraid i used a stronger word old fool told me i exclaimed to stephen he says that we must be prepared to state exactly when that other old infernal fool brother john will turn up at beza town and that if we don't we shall have our throats cut as indeed has already been arranged rather awkward replied stephen there are no express trains to beza and if there were we couldn't be sure that brother john would take one of them i suppose there is a brother john he added reflectively to me he seems to be intimately connected with mrs harris oh there is or there was i explained why couldn't the confounded ass wait quietly for us in durban instead of fooling off butterfly hunting to the north of zululand and breaking his leg or his neck there if he has done anything of the sort don't know i'm sure it's hard enough to understand one's own motives let alone brother john's then we sat down on our stools and stared at each other at this moment hans crept into the hut and squatted down in front of us he might have walked in there as a doorway but he preferred to creep on his hands and knees i don't know why 
"'What is it, you ugly little toad?' I asked viciously, for that was just what he looked like. Even the skin under his jaw moved like a toad's. "'The boss is in trouble,' remarked Hans. "'I should think he was,' I answered, "'and so will you be presently when you are wriggling on the point of a Mazitu spear.' "'They are broad spears that will make a big hole,' remarked Hans again, whereupon I rose to kick him out, for his ideas were, as usual, unpleasant. "'Bass,' he went on, "'I have been listening. There is a very good hole in this hut for listening if one lies against the wall and pretends to be asleep. I have heard all, and understood most of your talk with that one-eyed savage and the Bass Stephen. Well, you little sneak, what of it?' "'Only, Bass.' that if we do not want to be killed in this place from which there is no escape, it is necessary that you should find out exactly on what day and at what hour Dogita is going to arrive. "'Look here, you yellow idiot!' I exclaimed. "'If you are beginning that game too, I'll—' Then I stopped, reflecting that my temper was getting the better of me, and that I had better hear what Hans had to say before I vented it on him. "'Bas, Movovo is a great doctor.' It is said that his snake is the straightest and the strongest in all Zululand, save that of his master Zikali, the old slave. He told you that Dogita was laid up somewhere with a hurt leg, and that he was coming to meet you here. No doubt, therefore, he can tell you also when he is coming. I would ask him, but he won't set his snake to work for me, so you must ask him, Bas, and perhaps he will forget that you laughed at his magic, and that he swore you would never see it again. "'Oh, blind one!' I answered. "'How do I know that Mavovo's story about Dogita was not all nonsense?' Hans stared at me, amazed. "'Mavovo's story nonsense? Mavovo's snake a liar? Oh, Baas, that is what comes of being too much a Christian. Now, thanks to your father the predicant, I am a Christian too, but not so much that I have forgotten how to know good magic from bad.' Mavovo snake a liar, and after he whom we buried yonder was the first of the hunters whom the feathers named to him at Durban? And he began to chuckle in intense amusement, then added, Well, Bas, there it is. You must either ask Mavovo, and very nicely, or we shall all be killed. I don't mind much, for I should rather like to begin again a little younger somewhere else. But just think what a noise Sammy will make. And turning, he crept out as he had crept in. "'Here's a nice position,' I groaned to Stephen when he had gone. "'I, a white man, who, in spite of some coincidences with which I am acquainted, "'know that all this Kaffir magic is bosh, "'and to beg a savage to tell me something of which he must be ignorant. "'That is, unless we educated people have got hold of the wrong end of the stick altogether. "'It is humiliating. It isn't Christian. And I'm hanged if I'll do it.' "'I dare say you will be. Hanged, I mean, whether you do it or whether you don't,' replied Stephen, with his sweet smile. "'But say, old fellow, how do you know it is all bosh? We are told about lots of miracles which weren't bosh, and if miracles ever existed, why can't they exist now? But there, I know what you mean, and it is no use arguing. Still, if you're proud, I ain't. I'll try to soften the stony heart of Mavovo, we are rather pals, you know, and get him to unroll the book of his occult wisdom.' And he went." A few minutes later I was called out to receive a sheep which, with milk, native beer, some corn, and other things, including green forage for the donkeys, Bowsey had sent for us to eat. Here I may remark that while we were among the Mazitu we lived like fighting cocks. There was none of that starvation which is, or was so common in East Africa, where the traveller often cannot get food for love or money, generally because there is none. 
when this business was settled by my sending a message of thanks to the king with an intimation that we hoped to wait upon him on the morrow with a few presents i went to seek sammy in order to tell him to kill and cook the sheep after some search i found or rather heard him beyond a reed fence which divided two of the huts he was acting as interpreter between stephen summers and mavovo this zulu man declares mr summers he said that he quite understands everything you have been explaining and that it is probable that we shall all be butchered by this savage bausi if we cannot tell him when the white man dogeeta whom he loves will arrive here he says also that he thinks that by his magic he could learn when this will happen if it is to happen at all which of course mr summers for your private information only is a mighty lie of the ignorant heathen he adds however that he does not care one brass farthing his actual expression mr summers is one grain of corn on a mealy cob about his or anybody else's life which from all i have heard of his proceedings i can well believe to be true he says in his vulgar language that there is no difference between the belly of a mazitu land hyena and that of any other hyena and that the earth of the mazitu land is as welcome to his bones as any other earth since the earth is the wickedest of all hyenas in that he has observed that soon or late it devours everlastingly everything which once it bore you must forgive me for reproducing his empty and childish talk mr summers but you bade me to render the words of this savage with exactitude in fact mr summers this reckless person intimates in short that some power with which he is not acquainted he calls it the strength that makes the sun to shine and broiders the blanket of the night with stars forgive me for repeating his silly words caused him to be born into this world and at an hour already appointed will draw him from this world back into its dark eternal bosom there to be rocked in sleep or nursed to life again according to its unknown will i translate exactly mr summers although i do not know what it all means and that he does not care a curse when this happens still he says that whereas he is growing old and has known many sorrows he alludes here i gather to some nigger wives of his whom another savage knocked on the head also to a child to whom he appears to have been attached you are young with all your days and he he hopes joys before you therefore he would gladly do anything in his power to save your life because although you are white and he is black he has conceived an affection for you and looks on you as his child yes mr summers although i blush to repeat it this black fellow says he looks upon you as his child he adds indeed that if the opportunity arises he will gladly give his life to save your life and that it cuts his heart in two to refuse you anything still he must refuse this request of yours that he will ask the creature he calls his snake what he means by that i don't know mr summers to declare when the white man named dogeeta will arrive in this place for this reason that he told mr quatermain when he laughed at him about his divinations that he would make no more magic for him or any of you and that he will die rather than break his word that's all mr summers and i dare say you will think quite enough too i understand replied stephen tell the chief mavovo i observed he laid an emphasis on the word chief that i quite understand and that i thank him very much for explaining things to me so fully then ask him whether as the matter is so important there is no way out of this trouble sammy translated into zulu which he spoke perfectly as i noted without interpolations or additions only one way answered mavovo in the intervals of taking snuff it is that macumazahan himself shall ask me to do this thing macumazahan is my old chief and friend 
and for his sake i will forget what in the case of others i should always remember if he will come and ask me without mockery to exercise my skill on behalf of all of us i will try to exercise it though i know very well that he believes it to be but as an idle little whirlwind that stirs the dust that raises the dust and lets it fall again without purpose or meaning forgetting as the wise white men forget that even the wind which blows the dust is the same that breathes in our nostrils and that to it we also are as is the dust now i the listener thought for a moment or two the words of this fighting savage mavovo even those of them of which i had heard only the translation garbled and beslavered by the mean comments of the unutterable sammy stirred my imagination who was i that i should dare to judge of him and his wild unknown gifts who was i that i should mock at him and by my mockery intimate that i believed him to be a fraud stepping through the gateway of the fence i confronted him mavovo i said i have overheard your talk i am sorry if i laughed at you in durban i do not understand what you call your magic it is beyond me and may be true or may be false still i shall be grateful to you if you will use your power to discover if you can whether dogeetah is coming and if so when now do as it may please you i have spoken and i have heard macumazahan my father to-night i will call upon my snake whether it will answer or what it will answer i cannot say well he did call upon his snake with due and portentous ceremony and according to stephen who was present which i declined to be that mystic reptile declared that dogeetah alias brother john would arrive in beza town precisely at sunset on the third day from that night now as he had divined on friday according to our almanac this meant that we might hope to see him hope exactly described my state of mind on the matter on the monday evening in time for supper all right i said briefly please do not talk to me any more about this impious rubbish for i want to go to sleep next morning early we unpacked our boxes and made a handsome selection of gifts for the king bowsey hoping thus to soften his royal heart it included a bale of calico several knives a musical box a cheap american revolver and a bunch of toothpicks also several pounds of the best and most fashionable beads for his wives this truly noble present we sent to the king by our two mazitu servants tom and jerry who were marched off in the charge of several sentries for i hoped that these men would talk to their compatriots and tell them what good fellows we were indeed i instructed them to do so imagine our horror therefore when about an hour later just as we were tidying ourselves up after breakfast there appeared through the gate not tom and jerry for they had vanished but a long line of mazitu soldiers each of whom carried one of the articles that we had sent indeed the last of them held the bundle of toothpicks on his fuzzy head as though it were a huge faggot of wood one by one they set them down upon the lime flooring of the veranda of the largest hut then their captain said solemnly bowsey the great black one has no need of the white men's gifts indeed i replied for my dander was up and he won't get another chance at them the men turned away without more words and presently babemba turned up with a company of about fifty soldiers the king is waiting to see you white lords 
he said in a voice of very forced jollity, and I have come to conduct you to him. Why would he not accept our presence? I asked, pointing to a row of them. Oh, that is because of Imbauzi's story of the magic shield. He said he wanted no gifts to burn his hair off. But come, come, he will explain for himself. If the elephant is kept waiting, he grows angry and trumpets. Does he? I said. And how many of us are to come? All, all, white lord. He wishes to see every one of you. Not me, I suppose, said Sammy, who was standing close by. I must stop to make ready the food. Yes, you too, replied Babemba. The king would look on the mixer of the holy drink. Well, there was no way out of it, so off we marched, as well armed as I need not say, and were instantly surrounded by the soldiers. To give an unusual note to the proceedings, I made Hans walk first, carrying on his head the rejected musical box from which flowed the touching melody of Home Sweet Home. Then came Stephen, bearing the Union Jack on a pole, then I, in the midst of the hunters, and accompanied by Babemba, and then the reluctant Sammy, and last of all the two donkeys led by Mazitus, for it seemed that the king had especially ordered that these be brought also. It was a truly striking cavalcade, the sight of which under any other circumstances would have made me laugh. Nor did it fail in its effect, for even the silent Mazitu people through whom we wended our way were moved to something like enthusiasm. Home sweet home they evidently thought heavenly, though perhaps the two donkeys attracted them most, especially when they brayed. "'Where are Tom and Jerry?' I asked of Babemba. "'I don't know,' he answered. "'I think they have been given leave to go to see their friends.' "'Mbozi is suppressing evidence in our favour, I thought to myself, and said no more. Presently we reached the gate of the royal enclosure. Here, to my dismay, the soldiers insisted on disarming us, taking away our rifles, our revolvers, even our sheath knives. In vain did I remonstrate, saying that we were not accustomed to part with these weapons. The answer was that it was not lawful for any man to appear before the king armed even with so much as a dancing stick. Mavovo and the Zulus showed signs of resisting, and for a minute I thought there was going to be a row, which of course would have ended in our massacre. For although the Mazitus feared guns very much, what could we have done against hundreds of them? I ordered him to give way, but for once he was on the point of disobeying me. Then, by a happy thought, I reminded him that, according to his snake, Dogita was coming, and that therefore all would be well. So he submitted with an ill grace, and we saw our precious guns borne off we knew not where. Then the Mazitu soldiers piled their spears and bows at the gate of the kraal, and we proceeded with only the Union Jack and the musical box, which was now discoursing, Britannia rules the waves. Across the open space we marched, to where several broad-leaved trees grew in front of a large native house. Not far from the door of this house a fat, middle-aged, and angry-looking man was seated on a stool, naked except for a mooka of catskins about his loins, and a string of large blue beads around his neck. "'Bozzy, the king,' whispered Babemba. At his side squatted a little hunchbacked figure, in whom I had no difficulty in recognizing Imbauzi although he had painted his scorched scalp white with vermilion spots and adorned his snub nose with a purple tip, his dress of ceremony, I presume. Round and behind there were a number of silent counsellors. At some signal, or on reaching a given spot, all the soldiers, including old Babemba, fell upon their hands and knees and began to crawl. They wanted us to do the same, but here I drew the line, feeling that if once we crawled, we must always crawl. So, at my word, we advanced upright, but with slow steps, in the midst of all this wriggling humanity, 
and at length found ourselves in the august presence of bausi the beautiful black one king of the mazitu End of chapter 9